0: This is your place for all things Grand Rapids Griffins and all things Toledo Walleye. This is the Hockey Town West podcast with your host Brandon Cook and Nick Harrington. Welcome back to the Hockey Town West podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I'm Nick. And I I'm excited right now, man. I just got home from the Griffins versus Texas Stars Wednesday evening game and what a game it was But before we dive into that how are you doing today sir we could swear right sure if you want shitty Uh, (laughs) oh work just took the whole
1: whole wind out of my sails today i was pumped i've been listening to catching up on the podcast i've been listening like just this week is going to be such a good week for hockey like i was just so pumped because it well, I mean, we'll get into it, but it it's a big week for us.
0: It's huge. This is, it might be the biggest week of the season right now. Um, I mean, obviously that could change and there could be other big weeks of the season, but as it stands right this second, these next, tonight's game and the next two for Grand Rapids are the biggest games of the season. And yeah, we've ever covered. <laughs> I, honestly, yes, it is the biggest games we've ever covered like weird i i I don't even know where to begin right now but before we even dive into the game you you had a bad day um i i'm excited because not only you know is hockey really ramping up for us we're about to that time of year where this podcast also moonlights uh, on the side as an f1 podcast because yeah cars are on track this week they race next weekend like oh i'm so excited drive to survive comes out friday like we just sunset football
1: and we go right into F1.
0: <laughs> Dude, for real, honestly. Like for those that haven't listened since the beginning, I'm a big F1 guy. Nick is slowly getting more and more into it. Uh he watches when he can. It takes him time. <laughs> but it's honestly the perfect sport for a guy that's out of bed usually at like 7 a.m. on Sunday. So uh, <laughs> you know. I do appreciate that. Yeah, but I'm excited, even though it looks like Red Bull is going to run away with it uh, again this year already, based on just one day of testing, uh, being seven tenths faster than anyone else on the grid. That's uh, so crazy. And if for those that don't know, Red Bull is my team. They've been my team. Haas is my uh, side team, as I'm wearing the Haas, Haas gear tonight. That's my, uh, if I don't want to feel like a winner team, I'll go support them. <laughs> Root for the underdog. That's, that's I okay. mean... I really just rooted for him because I loved Gunther, but he's gone. So,
1: yeah,
0: uh, that's going to make Drive to Survive next year really boring. But anyways, again, this this will happen (laughs) some weekends. But anyways, let's dive into this Griffins game tonight. Now, if you're looking for us to talk about a bunch of offense tonight, I hate to break it to you. It's not what we're here to talk about. But let's talk about the lineup before we dive into the game because the Griffins got a huge boost tonight with the return of Matt Luff and Emil Vero tonight, which I didn't see Vero coming back tonight because obviously everyone was freaking out about Luff, as we should. But Vero stepping back in tonight is another huge step forward just for the amount of defensemen this team has that are capable of playing in an AHL lineup at a high level. like Having him there is just that extra piece, even though we think we, we might see him end up in Toledo for a little bit. It's a possibility. But... He looked good tonight and it was great to see him go back in. They went 11 and 7 tonight again. So 11 forward, seven defensemen. We'll get to that. But Matt Luff returning. How does Matt Luff returning make you feel?
1: I'm excited because from like I watched last year, but I didn't, I wasn't really in tune with the team and like the players as well as you were. Um, I, I was there for hockey and ready to watch. And this year I really got to know like the players, their play styles. And, you know, just the nuances. And so hearing everybody talk about Matt Luff and like how, how good he is, it's like having another Sarnik, but on a wing. Like he's not going to take the face-offs, but he's going to bring in that scoring ability. He's going to bring in the defense. And if you need somebody to throw a, a fight, a punch, I mean, he's he's going to do it. So uh, which I saw a highlight tonight of that. So uh, yes. I was excited. I mean, it gives us more depth. I don't know what's going to happen at the trade deadline with the wings. So uh, if, you know, Berkey gets moved up, if Berkey gets traded, like Luff would be that replacement, which uh, it's kind of something I thought of a couple of weeks ago too. And I don't know if I, if it made the cut on a pot or if I it did it. Yep. So uh, seeing that and he came in right away, first line, it got some minutes. Yeah. I don't know. Um, he was on the ice for the first goal, right?
0: Yeah. He was plus one tonight, two shots on goal. He was with, uh, Zarnik and Hirose tonight. And like at first, I was like, oh, first line, first night back. That's interesting. I thought they were going to ease him into this, but we gotta remember he was cleared for contact like a month ago at this point. He's been practicing pretty hard, getting really familiar with everybody. And what I'll say, not diving in too much into the game, but he played very well tonight. His passing was extremely crisp with you know the good relationship he already has on the ice with Czarnik and Hirose. Like, I see why Dan Watson made that move and their passing was crisp. He was playing extremely aggressive, like you said, getting into the mix, too. You know, Zarnik got taken down from behind. He got boarded. They called that, but Edmondson and Luff jumped right in there and, you know, mixed things up a little bit, and he looked like he jumped. Like, I remember talking about how Carter Mazur jumped into the Griffins last year in his first few games and, like, looked like he belonged. Matt Luff just looked like he belonged in that first line, didn't even need to come in and earn that spot back. He just – that's his spot. and. If that's how it is from the from here on out awesome cool i love it but or sorry i love it <laughs> <laughs> i think it helps too like he's playing with taro
1: he's playing with sarnik so that helps kind of ease him back into the game too where he's not having like two new line mates where he's trying to like figure out their styles as well so i think wadi did a good job of pairing him up with those two you bring taro uh, i don't think taro's playing on the first line in a couple games think last uh,
0: yeah no he's been back on the first line for a few because bergy got bumped back down to the second and getting has been playing on that line too uh so that we've seen that kind of shake up a little bit there so he's he's been all over the place but it, mostly on the first line
1: and he, like him coming back too so he's still you know working his way back in as well so i think i think that was a good that was a good idea um the the other <laughs> lineup changes were uh, <laughs> a little interesting but
0: yeah, so but like like we said, before we dive into the game, we'll talk lineup here. So we went seven defensemen, and obviously Figueroa's got to get a game in, right? He's been out for a while. He's been injured. we got to see what he's going on there. I feel like tonight was that game to, can he come in and make an impact, or do we send him to Toledo type game? But also at the same time, just so everyone's aware, there was like 10 different team scouts in the building tonight for Texas and Grand Rapids playing each other. So definitely some interest on both teams because both teams have some incredibly talented players. Uh, There's interest across the NHL in those players, but seeing Vero get played tonight, that kind of feels like it fits into that mold to kind of just show him off if we needed to. But I mean, in reality, Vero makes sense in Toledo, especially when you think that they scratch healthy, scratched our top line defenseman that's paired with Simon Edmondson every night in Antito Amisto. And that just, did not make sense to me. I looked at this lineup and I said, This game could go incredibly well, or it's going to be an absolute disaster. So, for those that didn't see the scratches tonight in total, were Elmer Soderblom, Cross Hannes, Tyler Spezia, Antti Tuamisto. Like, oh, so that's yeah, Spezia was on a scratch tonight as well. That's um, weird. so like, I did, I don't, I don't hate. getting scratched over Vero, right? We're trying to see what Vero is about right now. When I look at the lineup sheet, though, and see Wyatt Newpower still in, and I go, we picked any – you can pick any defenseman on the team over Wyatt at this point unless you need a guy that's going to come in and play gritty, rough, and tough and drop the gloves. Like, no offense to Wyatt, but 2-0 generates offense. Wyatt can be a liability, and it was noticed tonight – There was a couple times where I was like, oh, God, it's Wyatt and Rafferty on the ice as they were doing a really interesting rotation of defensemen tonight. And those two on the ice together, that's when Texas actually dominated play in the Grand Rapids zone, which was rare, but it really only happened when those two played on the ice together tonight. Now, New Power did make a really, really good defensive play at some point tonight with assistance from a Kosa poke check to stop a good opportunity from uh, Texas. But at the same time, 2-0 being out. Confuse the heck out of me i hope we see him slotted back in because the lack of fear of shooting the puck that that guy brings to the table uh it just generates offense for this team whether he's getting the assist or not he does generate a lot and as you see tonight's score the griffins only scored one goal but that's all they needed but the offense yeah. was uh lacking big time now well, I say that we got to remember Texas stars put Remy Poirier in that. And this guy has haunted this team all season long. And he is an outstanding goaltender who made some saves tonight that not no goalie has business making. Like he's he's incredibly good. They lost tonight. He was still the third star of the game. You know, he stopped 32 of 33 shots tonight. Claps to him. Well done. We'll probably see him again on Saturday. Uh, he's, he's just that good. What I know. Right. right?
1: He's very good. But, at this, uh Griffins too.
0: He's he, won he's every game except tonight. tonight. Yeah, this was his first loss against us tonight. Uh which is which is wild, but after I mean after that goal he was solid all night. So let's jump into it here. So the Griffins come out of this game in firing on all cylinders right away in 25 seconds in Albert Johansson. And that's his fifth of the season assisted by Zarnick. Fires it from the blue line and it just goes right. It was it was beautiful. He didn't, it wasn't a slap shot or anything, it was just a really powerful wrist shot that he labeled the corner with and put it in. And it happened right in front of me. I was super pumped. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm a big Albert Johansson guy. So seeing him yeah. get that goal to start it off, that's huge. That's awesome. He played extremely well tonight. He just continues to prove that he's ready. That's all I can continue to say about this kid is he's ready. But outside of that, man, that's the only goal that was scored tonight. Like, oh, God, what do we talk about, right? Don't worry, Cosa. man, it's funny to talk about. <laughs> yeah, right? You got to talk about the big man himself, Sebastian Kosa. First AHL out against one of the t- best offensive teams in the American Hockey League. Like, yeah. Let's start there. You know, goalies will get shoutouts every once in a while, and you're like, oh, the team really helped him get that. Like, it was a team out and everything. No, Sebastian Cosa. Earned this freaking shutout tonight. Made incredible saves left and right, played extremely well, seeing the puck well, just absolutely owned his crease tonight, shutting down some of Texas's best players. I mean, there's a point where he literally poke checks the puck off of Maverick Bork's stick. Not many goalies get to do that. He also did it to Logan Stankoven. Like, that's the two top a- AHL scorers right there. And Cosa yeah. by himself is shutting them down. The, this is the point where you got to look and say, Cosa haters, where are you at? Because the kids silenced most of them since December 27th.
1: Yeah, they've been quiet.
0: Yeah, which is I great. mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Bob pointed out he I don't remember the record Bob pointed out before the game, but he had a 2.11 goals against average going into tonight's game since December 27th, which was the first game back from the Christmas break. And obviously boosted that number way up with tonight's game, facing 28 shots and stopping all 28 of them. Uh, you know me. I love I love Sebastian Kosa. I will I will go to bat for him on Twitter or anywhere else anytime when people call him out. I mean, I've even teased at buying a Red Wings Kosa jersey because I believe in this kid enough. Seeing this shutout happen tonight, like that was that moment where I'm like, He's, he's arrived, right? We've talked about when's he going to take over the starter spot? Dan Watson doesn't really have that. I think at this point, though, he is the Griffins one. A he's the number one goaltender right now, whether they continue to split for the rest of the season or not. He's the top dog in that right now. And I don't know if you agree with me or not.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, we we saw this at Toledo last year is that they split. They Him and John Latham split the whole the whole time when we looked at it this season, we didn't know who was going to come in and be that other, that that starter for Grand Rapids, right? The starter. And then we signed Michael Hutchinson like, two weeks before uh, the season, basically. And so like him coming in, we're like, okay, well, here's our starter. We're going to ease Kosa in. This is kind of the plan that we've seen and that they've stuck with it the entire season. And I would say Hutch, the last couple weeks has been shaky. Uh, you know, I don't feel as confident when he's in that than when Kosa's in that, Uh, like complete, like he looks, Hutch's look shaky. He looks I don't know. Nervous, but maybe he's burnt out. I don't know. Just He just looks off. So see Kosa really continue through. Like this is his first, first year in the AHL first time against this opposition. And he's dialing it in like, his proje- his projection is the same as what it is in Toledo right now, continually going up after that Christmas break, and he turns it on. And so, like these next couple weeks of hockey are going to be so fantastic if he can keep if he keeps this up, you know. I and I don't think it's it's gonna drop. I think it's he's only gonna get better. So yeah,
0: I one hundred percent agree. And it should also be pointed out that. After tonight's game, Sebastian Kosa, if you go to the AHL website, look at the top 20 goaltenders in the league for goals against. He's now 17th in the league, and he's also 20th in the league for save percentage. So when you go to the first page, the big man's right there. And that's like, think about beginning of the season, his first 10 yeah. games. It's terrible. Like He didn't play bad by any means because the team in front of him was not figured out yet. Now that the team in front of him is figured out. Look at what he's doing. Yeah, he's improved his overall numbers. I mean, he's got a 2.63 goals against average, which at one point I swear was 3.3 or higher. Yeah. And he's got a nine oh nine save percentage, which I know at one point was a .85. Uh,
1: him and Hutch were back-to-back in the standings all season long, like nineteen twenty or 25, 26. Like, they were racing, like, really close shots. Everything was very similar. Shots against, goals against save percentage everything was very close and like even if you remember each night it was like six goals against or four goals against so like th- that's really tapered down since christmas and now you see Costa really you know pulling away from hutchinson
0: yeah i mean you see hutch in 27th in the league right now and goals against in 38th in the league and save percentage like Cosa has definitely separated himself there. And just because, you know, people will make the comparison, uh, you know, Jesper Wall said uh, he's 28th in the league in goals against right now with a 2.79.
1: And that doesn't so count Kosa, as an NHL stint,
0: right? That does not count as NHL stint. You are correct. So, I mean, Cosa has completely separated himself. He's also 29th in the league for goals, his goals against average. So, or sorry, save percentage. So, Kosa has completely separated himself from the guy he's been compared to ever since the draft. And Kosa's in his first year in the AHL. This is Walsh's second. Yeah. That's what everyone needs to realize here. Is Stevie Y didn't whiff on this one. I think he absolutely knocked it out of the park. I think he made the right decision making that trade at this point. I know it's early to say that. But <laughs> I, as things like, stand oh. right, I know, I know. As But as it stands right now, when you look at the trajectory and his development, like he doesn't stop improving. You find a weak point in his game, the next game you watch him, that weak point's gotten slightly better. Every single time, he's he's changing and updating and making something better. I, he's an athletic freak, man. He will work and work and work until he gets to the level of perfection he wants. And I think we've got, again, we can speculate. I'm so coming off of his first AHL shout-out. <laughs> but we've got something special in this kid. Like it, it's, it's true. And you know, whether that translates to the NHL or not, who knows, but at this moment right now, let us enjoy this. Like this is, this is goaltending. We yeah. haven't seen in Grand Rapids in multiple years. Now you got to remember coming off the year of oh, Victor yeah. Br- Bradstrom and UC Okanora and, Magnus Helleberg and Alex Nadelkovich, which nothing against those two. They're both respectively doing very well with where they're at right now. You know, Magnus is the number one starter at Wilkes-Barre and Ned's doing incredible in Pittsburgh, even though the other night he said he he was shit. But (laughs) I don't know if you saw that or not. (laughs) But, you know, like where we came from to where we are now, dude, like this is (laughs) Wild. Do you think,
1: like thinking back on that though, is like, do you think he's very comparable to what Nedalkovic did for us last year? Like, he really did solidify that goalie position for us when Alex came in. Like, we knew like Bradshaw was not, and Okidora was already across the ocean, and then they kept kind of rotating now, uh, just different goalies every other night. I'd say seem like so, but like you felt comfortable, you felt confident when Ned was in net you know like yeah. he really and i
0: i feel extremely comfortable when i see Coase as the starter before i get to a game like i know that he's going to give the guys a chance to win the game and like yeah. look at tonight they didn't generate on the offensive side by any means we scored 25 seconds in and we didn't do anything else the rest of the night which we'll talk about in a second but at the same time he gave the boys a chance to win there was that game against the rockford icehogs during the snowstorm right kosa gave them a chance to win that night and the boys absolutely just Fell on their face in front of them, like it's to the point where I'm confident we have at least a goaltender or two that can steal games. Which where when you're in a division like we are, where it's so tight, unless you're the Milwaukee Admirals, stealing games is crucial. Yeah, and, you know, avoid. we talked, we joked going into this three game stretch. What do we want to see? You know, and you're like, can we win all three? And I'm like, ah, maybe. And you know, I joked and I said one, one, and one, right? We got the hardest one out of the way tonight. What? We got the win. We got the win out of the way tonight. If we lose one, we lose one. Between the next game against Texas or Milwaukee, we lose one, right? If we do. And then an overtime Uh, loss or shootout there would be the other one. So we got the hardest one. We got the win out of the way first game. Like anything else we do, as long as there's a point coming out of it, (laughs) we're 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 doing the right thing.
1: I'm like, I think the hardest game is gonna be Sunday, but (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, we got the hardest stat out of the way. Yes, yeah, uh, Sunday is going to be the hardest game for sure. But beating the team that you were trailing in the division by one, by one point, point. tonight—who's just a ridiculously talented team—beating them, if you split the series with them, it's, it's not the wor- It's not the end of the world, right?
1: Right, the right Because yeah. they're a game ahead of us too. They have a game on hand on us. So yeah, so we that... so yeah,
0: we got one one less game than them.
1: This this point was like to get a win tonight was huge. If we could get another, oh, like that
0: is ginormous. Like it it really is. And you know the crowd will be rocking on Saturday. It'll probably be a close to sellout crowd. Like we're at that point now where people have been put on notice that the Griffins are doing Griffin things right now. We're doing the right things. We're doing good things, and we got some sick jerseys coming on Saturday night. I saw them in person tonight. Oh, that's gonna be a hard one to resist for me. I already set up the list of guys that I'm going after. <laughs> oh, boy. But All right. We've spent 15 minutes almost talking about Spatch and Cosa, right? Let's give the other guys some credit here tonight. So some a couple of guys I want to call out. A guy we've talked about a lot lately. A guy that we were unsure of at the start of the season who has absolutely just established himself as a freaking menace on the ice. It's Josiah Didier, our captain. This dude, again tonight, man. Three or four massive hits tonight. Just playing the puck extremely well. Finished with a plus one tonight. Playing really smart defensive hockey. And who who was he paired with tonight? Well, going seven defensemen. It was a rotation all night long. And out of the veteran players, he was the best one of them tonight. Hands down. Rafferty was a little less than him. Wyatt had an okay game. Vero, okay game. But when I look at the older guys, Didier absolutely shut it down tonight. Fantastic game from him. And I just love what we've seen from him lately. Just this pure grit. Like you're not gonna mess with me, but I'm also gonna sit you down. Like, I love it.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's not afraid to to lay somebody out, and the, and the other team just doesn't come after him. They're just like, oh yeah, he's too big to to mess with. <laughs> like we're yeah. we're gonna get bullied tonight by Didier.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, another thing when I looked at the lineup, too, I quite, we we questioned it both. We, we saw Carter Mazur bump to the fourth line with Amadeus. Like It was just those two on that line, obviously, because we're down a Ford. I understood it after watching the gameplay, where those two just rotated through the lineup with everybody else all night long. They were either together with one other guy. There was a point in time, you know, it was Amadeus, Carter, and Berge. And I'm like, this is incredible. I love every second of this. And... How was Stuff that live? like that? Uh, bad in the face off, but great in everything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll no. get, I'll get there. Oh. Um, obviously, Luff looked great in his return tonight. Loved his play tonight. A guy that we've talked about and is a guy that I personally said I think is going to have the biggest improvement in the second half of the season. William Volander He's... He's played extremely well tonight. Like he's obviously being sheltered on that third pairing. Like Dan Watson is sheltering him, not letting him make a mistake, not putting him in that position where he can make many mistakes. But tonight he got to take over the second power play unit on defense with Tuamisto out. So you can see that Dan and the staff trust him to step into a role like that. Cause that's not a tiny role by any means. That's a big role. And he didn't skip a beat. I thought he played the blue line extremely well in the power play but overall like i threw it in our group chat tonight and no one really grasped onto it but i said that he reminds me a lot of first year albert johansson and when i say that it's not the fact that ben simon sheltered the heck out of albert johansson in his first no. year it's the comparison is when he's on the ice he's not bothered he's not is he's not getting like the other teams not getting under his skin he's just it's like albert. albert in that fact where he's getting pushed around he doesn't give a shit Like he's just going to let you do it. But at the same time, when he's in front of the net playing his position, he's calm. He's very smart with the puck and he's able to shut a lot of things down. And I know you threw some clips out in the game against Rockford with him in it, just showing like his skill there in literally every game. Now I just see him getting better and better. Like defenseman is hard to see improvement game by game, but I'm seeing it with him. Yeah.
1: I I really think you're on to something there is that he is a lot like Albert that first year and it's not, I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say he's the number one defenseman right now, but I could definitely see him and Tuo being on the top line next year if Albert and Simon leave kind of thing. Like if they get moved up or trade, whatever, I, I want them here. Don't take that the wrong way. But I think Volinder has more of an upside offensively than Albert does. Uh, but I think he does, sh- he's a, he is a shut more of a shutdown defenseman. So, um, uh, his, his development has been interesting. It's, uh, I think he is another year or two out possibly from getting into the wings based off of the long jam that we have ahead of us. I mean, we'll see what happens more with the trade deadline coming up, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he plays defensively sound. You're never like looking at it like, what the heck? He's very like, he's like a ghost out there. Like you don't know he's out there till the net, the till the pucks in the back of the net, and it's like, who, what, where? Because uh, it was on that flying toasters game is when he scored that. And we're like, wait, what? Uh, yeah, that was <laughs> ball under and we saw that at practice. We're like, good to see it in a game now. Like to see that continually going. I know he did score tonight, but for him to continually step up and progress, that that's huge. I mean, not every prospect's gonna make it to the NHL. Like Steve's not gonna hit on everybody. But he's looking good right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> like I've yeah, been going is, through dude. the draft years, so I'm like, man, like I don't know what he's gonna do with all these people. But uh Volander, yeah, like it's good to be not noticeable, you know, as a defenseman. As a forward, you you need to be noticeable. You need to be, you know, forechecking. You need to be putting it back in the net. So what, uh, like, I don't know if you have stats up for the team right now, but like, what yeah, is what is he sitting at right now? So.
0: For stats right now, I should point out one that he hasn't missed a game this season. He's played all 44. That's huge. When you're on defense in a team that's rotating a lot of 11 and 7 and moving guys around a lot, seeing that you are like there for every game, that is huge. Three goals, eight assists for 11 points, and a plus four.
1: I mean, for a guy that's on the second line in his first year?
0: No, third. He's on the third pairing in his first year. (laughs) Yeah. Like this is his first year in North America. Like we it, it if you go pull up Albert's historical stats, he's on pace to do the same exact dang thing. If not a little better because he's on the plus side because the Griffins team last year that Albert played on was atrocious. So like I mean he's granted it's you know and not no, never mind. Um
1: can I tell you something funny? What's that? He's got more points than Tuo Misto, which makes sense because Tuo was out for a little bit.
0: Tua's more only got than... 25 games.
1: Yeah, 25 games. cross Annis. Josiah Didier, which, okay. New Power, McIsaac, Vero.
0: I mean, he's got more points than Michael Hutchinson, too. Like, we got to talk about that. No, yeah,
1: Hutchinson's <laughs> got to be stepping up in the oh, offensive end. but He's got an assist. He's great defensively.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, William Ballender is one to watch out for. I know we've listened to a lot of other Red Wings podcasts. Everyone they talk about, you know, guys to throw in there as like a prospect uh, in a good trade. The return would have to be pretty freaking good for me to throw in a Tua Miso or a Ballender at this point because yeah. there's a lot of upside there at this point. If you're giving him away for nothing or just an okay player, you've lost me at that point because like you said, when Simon and Albert are gone, that's your top two defensemen right there. And if they have to do that for the next two seasons, well, you also get guys like Shai William and who knows Sandy Pelica comes in here, maybe unless he goes straight to Detroit, like you're going to have this influx of other guys behind them that are going to play that third pairing or second pairing role that these younger guys have over the past couple seasons paired with a veteran and we're going to just see this endless cycle right now of defensemen developing in the right way in Grand happens and that's exciting
1: yeah i think the biggest thing too is like you and i both listen to the other wings podcast and they i see a lot of like we listen to it but we also watch both teams we watch a lot of griffins we watch a lot of red wings and i think and I, I could be completely wrong on this but i think steve eisenman is looking at just like we are like we're seeing that as an organizational thing so like to trade these guys you're leaving a huge hole in Grand rapids right yeah. now like you don't have that next guy to step up right now so i think that's where a lot of like a lot of times like you and i look at, we listen and we're like why would they do that like because they're only focused on the one team. And I think you really have to look at both teams and how the development goes for all of these people coming in. Like I looked at the last five drafts, Steve Eisenman drafted 51 players. Now insane. <laughs> they're not all coming here. <laughs> like no. we've already lost, we've already lost like three of them. Uh, so if it's just one of those things is like, you have to, you have to build something that's sustainable. And I think that's what he's trying to do here with Detroit and with Grand Rapids and then with Toledo. So uh, I think that's something that you have to you have to pay attention to. And if you've been following us long enough, you, you I think you guys see it as well on that end is that you're seeing these these guys are big pieces. Like you can't just leave a hole for us to, you know, where we don't have anybody. So, yeah, it, like you can't give away Ballender for nothing like or uh two of these though like th- those are big pieces we we yeah, might you, also overvalue like our players <laughs> like we might overvalue because we see them every night too
0: you know like sometimes i'd be like yeah i agree with you saying that but at the same time i don't think we're far off in the value of these defensemen i mean defensemen take time to develop you know a forward, like let's say bergey for example like he he broke out in the nhl or you just look at like a lucas raymond right He jumped in super young. He's under 22 years old. Like those guys, those Fords can go in there and make an impact right away. Defensemen, there's six spots on an NHL team. And you need to be almost perfect every single night. When you're talking about kids getting to the age of 23, 24, 25, just getting their crack at the NHL roster, that's okay. Yeah. That's an okay thing. So, just looking at, yes, there's a log jam forming because there's some veterans in the Red Wings who need to go. It's time. I understand. But Simon Edmondson and Albert Johansson will fill that gap Trust us. It'll be better. The Wings will be a better team. But wait till, uh, wait till next year. Let's make the playoffs first. <laughs> All right. But at the same time, like, we're okay in Grand Rapids once those guys go. Like, it's going to suck for us because the content's going to just, go down like people's interest in it but get excited about these guys that are you know volunteers your two Amistos, and then the other future behind them get excited because they're gonna be a hell of a lot of fun to watch
1: and there's more people coming in like the pipeline is
0: huge it's, it's huge it's crazy <laughs> um one other thing i wanted to call out before we hit the ad break here Griffins do go over two on the power play tonight, which has been a pain point for us still and still is. Um, but the penalty kill, again, a perfect two for two tonight. We've said it before in the season and, you know, whether the rank shows or not, Brian Lashoff deserves some kudos here with what he's done with this PK. Um, I have a two minute clip on my phone that I haven't posted yet. Cause it was going to take too long to upload from the arena. I'll post it later. If you look at that clip and watch it, it's the perfect penalty kill. Like you could if you could copy and paste that in every single game, it it's perfection at its finest. Like I remember last year another team would go on the power play and you're just like, ah, oh, brick. Here we go. They're gonna score. And now I see the PK come out and I almost kind of chuckle to myself and go, Let's see if they can. Let's it's not a you're they're gonna score. It's a bet you won't kind of situation. And, God, lately, it's been so good. It's been so good. Everyone, everyone's contributing on it, too, across the board. High up in the lineup, and even the guys down in the third and fourth lines. Everybody is contributing in it. And I think that's what Lash and the rest of the coaching staff has realized, that if you utilize the entire lineup like that, it, it's going to pay off way better. And the chemistry, I mean, the chemistry of this team is just so darn good right now. Fives are good. It's, it's you tell i'm excited i haven't <laughs> well, shut I up about it, this game
1: <laughs> the penalty kill also translates to like the last three minutes so i got home with the, literally three minutes left in the game and i'm like do i even bother we're up one nothing do i do i if i turn it on and we get scored on i'm jinxing this and i did not want to do that but they pull the goalie with three like minutes two left. And a half, three minutes left and so like they're up a guy the whole team had to contribute to keep that puck out of the net. It That's a three minute penalty kill. Like in my books, that's the three minute penalty kill. It sucked that we didn't, we weren't able to capitalize on the empty net like three or four times there. But uh, I think that has been a struggle and it is something that I want to see worked on and practice a little bit more is shooting on the empty net because it's been an issue. The last three games, I'm not going to lie. Shines had two chances uh, in each game. Like, I don't know what it is, but penalty kill has been looking good.
0: Yeah, I mean, just overall to wrap this game to go in the ad break. I mean, yes, they only scored one goal. Yes, Sebastian Costa gets shut out. Amazing. Love it. But the Griffins as a team shut down a Texas team who was second in the division <laughs> was wow. um, and then had that, that has two players that have both played every single game this season for that team, which is 47 games. It has 57 and 55 points on the year. And the Griffins kept them off the score sheet. That right there is the best feeling I think I've had all season. Like, this is the best I've felt after a game. Knowing that we turn around and play the same dang team on Saturday. And I'm not going to lie. I really hope Dan Watson breaks the rotation here and sends Kosa in again on Saturday. I I think you have to. I know he I know he gives these guys such a heads up to knowing when they're going to play. But the way he played them tonight, I would love to see them. I'd love to see him get that win against them. But at the same time, to flip that, I'd also love to see him break Milwaukee's streak. So I could play either game. And I'm going to be happy. But again, I just feel super confident about our performance when he's in the net right now.
1: Yeah, I I think you see him Sunday. I think you get a different goalie. Yeah. But Texas has a weird schedule. So they've got um, they play. Did they play Friday. They play Friday. They play Friday in Rockford. And then they come back to Grand Rapids for Saturday's game. So it, they've got a weird schedule there. So, I mean, it could
0: benefit us. That could benefit us big. I mean, Rockford's no slouch right now, too. I mean, they just well, they beat Iowa three to one tonight. Um, they're is only that no final. That's final. Yep. Uh, they're only down right now is that they're without Colton Dock for three weeks. So that kind of sucks for us when they play Texas. But at the same time, Drew Comesso can steal games. We've seen that. So who knows? But that's crazy. The fact that Texas played here tonight, turns around, goes to Rockford. Great. The travel time is not super long. A Rockford Friday, then you got to come back to Grand Rapids Saturday. That's good. That's going to be a tired Texas team. Yeah. That almost guarantees, though, that we see Remy Poirier in that on Saturday. So, yeah. Look forward to that again. Yeah, Rockford's but good. Rockford is not a bad team. So, no. I won't, you notice how I won't say they're good. They're not a bad team. But, uh, yeah. Excited. Ready for this weekend. If Milwaukee doesn't lose to Chicago, what, Friday and Saturday?
1: Ah, uh, they play them tomorrow, Thursday. So this will come out tomorrow. So they play them tomorrow at eleven a.m. in uh, Chicago, and then they turn around and play them in uh, Milwaukee on Saturday. So I, they, here's the thing with Ooh. them is they're seven and one against Chicago. Milwaukee is and haven't lost against them since November eighteenth. It's six straight against the Wolves that they've won. And one of those goals, one of those games was a shutout. So it's like, a, I thought like this was a trap game for them. Tomorrow's game, Thursday at eleven. I think that's the trap game. I think they lose that one. I don't. But then I looked. And I'm like, they play. They're so they're so good against Chicago. So
0: it's at eleven a.m. Like like the F- afternoon yeah. game.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a. I think it's a kids game. So if they don't lose this game tomorrow. I think they lose against us
0: on Sunday. I mean, either way, when you peel this back for Grand Rapids, they play a a Texas team on Saturday that's going to have to go from Grand Rapids to Rockford and back to Grand Rapids all in the course of four days. Yeah. Then you're going to turn around and play a Milwaukee team that tomorrow plays in Chicago, then goes back home Saturday, but that has to come here Sunday, and that game's at, what, 5 on Sunday?
1: Yeah, 5 o'clock.
0: So you don't even get a full 24-hour turnaround time. Plus travel to come play in Grand Rapids. The schedule has finally played in our favor, is what I'm trying to get (laughs) at here. Like, this is a long homestand for the Griffins, which thank God we deserve one. But at the same time, like, you're playing teams at a really good, opportune time to do some damage. So, if Milwaukee comes out of those two Chicago games with the W, I think Grand Rapids gets to play Heartbreaker. Yeah, and I think they it's will. The do- it's
1: the dog game too, so we know it's going to be loud for that game.
0: <laughs> Did you uh, picture? Let me paint a picture for you. Let me let me put an image in Griffin's fans' dreams here. When the Toledo Walleye went on an 18-game win streak, there was a point in time where I'm pretty sure Sebastian Cosa posted back-to-back shutouts. Oh, could you he imagine? Us. He just jinxed could us. Could you imagine? I'm painting, I'm just painting a picture. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying it's not going to. Could you imagine? He ends a what 19 game win streak with a shutout? I guess with dogs through. in attendance. Do it for the dogs. Do it for the dogs. Ah, <laughs> uh, the vibes are good, folks. The vibes are good. But, anyways, with that, we have obligations. Let's send it over to DraftKings. And then let's talk about Toledo Walleye, because this will be another week where the episode is complete emotional whiplash for everybody listening. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep my clothes on this time, though. Yeah, please. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> Nick, go Go read the ad and keep your clothes on. Thanks.
1: We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks, get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. With Patrick Kane, Alex DeBrincat all back and ready for from the All Star game, you've got good choices to make bets on them. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code THPN. New customers can bet five bucks, get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl Fifty Eight, with code THPN. The crowd is yours. Problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope 467369 In Connecticut, help available for problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Bill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. White in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. cdkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: Welcome back. All right, it's time for our new favorite segment, Toledo Thursdays, and this one is going to be an interesting one. So Toledo Walleye played two games this past weekend. They played uh, in Cincinnati on Friday, then in Kalamazoo on Saturday, and I was fortunate enough to move things around and have a great partner to cover the Griffins game Saturday night that allowed me to go to Kalamazoo and see the walleye in person for the second time this season. So before Wait. I get to that game,
1: whoop oh, Were you fortunate to go? We'll we'll
0: get there. Before (laughs) before I get to that game, because I've got a lot of thoughts from getting to the game physically and the actual game that happened, Uh, let's talk about the Cincinnati game on Friday. So the walleye go to the travel of Cincinnati, and they get a big win, 6-4 to against the Cyclones here. And, again, this is just a game where the offense showed up. You know, Craig scored. Hawkins scored a hat trick in this one, getting his, to his 28th goal of the season. Bliss got his 17th of the season. Like the offensive production, especially on the power play, showed up in this game. They were two for four on the power play, 50%. Like, that's what we're used to seeing right there. Yes, four goals against on um, 19 shots isn't ideal. We'll get there. But seeing the power play produced and show up and seeing the guys that you're used to seeing score score, that's important. And again, it was a game against Cincinnati. So, you know, there's a couple of sportsmen like conducts in there, some fighting majors, you know, a, a typical game for these guys. But overall in this one, the walleye played, they played their game. Now the goaltending again was shaky. Uh Letheman gets to start in this one, stops 15 to 19. We raised this question a couple weeks ago, and I'd really like if anyone listening in Toledo can kind of give us some insight here, are the goaltending coaches different? Are they not getting the same exposure to the Red Wings coaching staff at the goaltender level that they got with Sebastian Cosa there? Because this is not John Letheman. This is not what I'm used to seeing. I'm used to seeing just incredible goaltending from this is weird, right?
1: Yeah. Like what? Like they're still playing the same system. So like what else has changed? It's not like they've lost a bunch of people. Right from on the defensive side, if anything, they gained people from Grand Rapids that got sent down. So, not on the
0: defensive side, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you if you think about it from a Griffin's level, yeah, it's Bliss, it's Doucette. Um, I mean, he started there and then uh, Riley and Riley Sawchuck,
1: they're all forwards
0: defensively. Yeah, you didn't get anything from Grand Rapids. It's, I don't. I don't know if it. This, I don't know if the defensive talent on this team is the underlying problem, which we'll get to when we talk about Kalamazoo. But I, I there's definite question marks around the goaltending, especially when it comes to John Letheman at this point. And I hate saying that because if there was a goaltender I really appreciated last season, outside of Coast, it was John Letheman. Like he was able to come into Grand Rapids and play big minutes and make big saves here when he needed to. And obviously he was the ECHL goaltender of the year last year. But how do you go from that to this? I just I don't understand. I mean, he's got 24 games played this season. He's got a three, three dot one, three goals against and a dot eight eight three save percentage. Like it's not pretty. Like the goals against are just over three, so that's not the worst. But if your offense isn't contributing, that's not good. You can't have a goaltender that lets in three every night. If the offense isn't contributing every night, and that's also an inconsistency, the wall I have suddenly too. Like we've gone week over week talking about this team just going, it's okay, everything's okay, the sky's not falling. And I'm not gonna say the sky's falling, but I see your, I see your concerns, walleye fans. Like especially after watching them in person, I see the concerns. So I mean, outside of that Cincinnati game, there's not much more to really talk about with that. They got the win, which is huge. That's good. It didn't go to overtime or a shootout or anything like that. They just went in there and got the win. Power play performed. It is what it is. They put up 30 shots on goal. That's good. But I think we got to transition to the Zoo game because this is going to be where we have a lot more to talk about. One, just being there in person. I can really, really understand the frustrations of the walleye fans. But before I get into that, Talking about the experience of getting to a freaking Kalamazoo K Wings game because what a shit show! <laughs> oh my god! So, I, <laughs> I brought my sister, she came out to the Firebirds game with us last season when we did the Detroit doubleheader. Slowly get her more and more into hockey. She has a good time when she goes to games, she's always fun to go with. So, last yes, minute, hey, let's pick up tickets and go to Kalamazoo. She was down. Picked her up at 5, and we headed straight to Kalamazoo. 5 o'clock, leaving from Grand Rapids to Kalamazoo, which is a 40, 45-minute drive. That's plenty of time, right? Nope, we weren't in our seats till 10 minutes after puck drop. Oh. Because we got... The walleye were in and... time. That's why. <laughs> so I'll leave it with this. It was a sellout for Kalamazoo, which is great. To see. I love seeing the K-Wing sellout games. That's awesome. Like, good for them. Love that it was Harry Potter night. They had some pretty cool Harry Potter jerseys. They just the colors were a little off. Yeah. Yeah. I got a Harry Potter night in. You're jealous now. I wish you uh, had told me. That's why I didn't tell you. I hate you. Because <laughs> I needed someone to cover the game because cell phone signal in the Wings Event Center does not work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't, it, you can't post anything from there. But, anyways, we rolled up on this traffic jam off the ramp at. I think i got down there just before six made really good time get down there and like i said again we were not in our seats until 10 minutes after puck drop like we sat on the ramp to get off the highway for an hour almost like first of all whoever decided to put a roundabout off the exit of i-94 you can jump off a cliff like this that was terrible terrible and then like there's one there's one road into that arena, except for the back yeah. entrance. Like if you're coming off the highway, there's one road, one single lane into that arena. Absolute nightmare. Something. I mean, I know there's talks of them getting a new barn in downtown Kalamazoo. which I think would it's probably the, proof. Be the best. Awesome yeah. for them because yeah, that's an absolute disaster to get to. I can't wait for that. That'll be fun because people Don't can say quote, what they yeah, want I'm about
1: not. But I'm like ninety percent right. sure that that that's correct.
0: I mean, people can say what they want about the K-Wings because, you know, they don't, they don't have the history of being like a top tier ECHL team by any means. Their fans love their dang team. They, the chants in that arena are strong. They do a great job of keeping themselves in the game and keeping it super loud. But what I love is a game between them and the walleye because, man, do the Toledo walleye fans travel well. And I was fortunate enough that I picked the right section and I ended up in the corner where that the walleye fans just absolutely take over. And yes, it's a small barn, but at the same time to see the walleye fans take up an entire two to three sections of a corner, like my applause to those walleye fans. It was great. I love sitting with them. They were so much fun. Everybody was so nice to talk to like, thank you for just making me feel like a part of the fan base. Truly like, that was a cool experience, especially being at a road game. Like you get that we got that when we went to Toledo. Like we felt like we belonged there. But to get that experience with the road with the road fans at a road game, there's not many, not many organizations in hockey that you'll feel that at all, unless it's like the Red Wings, because they travel well too, obviously. So walleye fans, round of applause. You guys are some of the best fans in hockey. And uh, shout out to the K-Wings fans because they weren't ruthless either. Like, As I was walking downstairs after the game, the wall, I ended up losing this game. Sorry, folks. Uh, as I'm walking downstairs, I left after the Kalamazoo K-Wings scored their empty net goal. So there was still 30 seconds left in the game. But I'm like, I'm beating traffic with how bad it was to get in here. I'm getting I'm getting out. There was a guy. I only remember him he's wearing these wild colored pants. Like they were purple and light blue. They were just wild zebra print. And he was loud all night. He was very mouthy towards the Toledo fans. Nothing disrespectful. Just some really good chirps in there. And I walked past him and he's like, oh, yeah, have a good night. Get out of here. And I turned around. And the look on his face when I turned around was like, did I piss him off? And I just turned around. No reaction on my face. You just gave him a fist bump and said, have a good night, buddy. Good game. And it was, he just laughed. And he was like, oh, okay. Like, I think he thought I was pissed um anyways that's my kalamazoo story let's talk about the game so they lose this game four to two john bednar gets the start in this game i don't think he played terrible in this game most of the goals that got past him uh i missed because it was two to one before i even got into my seat (laughs) that sucked but from what i saw on replays most of the goals weren't his fault it was just really bad defensive breakdowns in front of him With this, you know, Doucette got a goal, which is great. Hawkins got his 29th of the season. That was great. But outside of that, there wasn't much else that was great. So while I went one for five on the power play, missed some key opportunities there. Defensively, not great. But what I really wanted to pay attention to was watching how they played in the first, to how they played in the second, to how they played in the third. What adjustments were made by the coaching staff and by the team? who challenged this Kalamazoo team that this team has sucked against this season. Like they cannot beat Kalamazoo. And I finally understood what every walleye fan that's ever commented on our walleye posts and said, the coaching staff doesn't adjust. They don't adjust zero adjustments. The same things that aren't working. They just kept doing them the same plays in the power play. They just kept doing them. Pat Nickish and the coaching staff making zero adjustments in this game in a divisional game where you're on a downward trend right now even though you're the top dog like what it was the it was the, i understood it all like the, i saw the light i understand walleye fence. it's bad it's really bad
1: That's so it's like sorry as, as you were talking i'm gonna let, let you get a word
0: in so i can breathe here a second <laughs>
1: So I'm looking at the stats, too, because you're talking about left from last year to this year. And I'm like, well, is it just him? But no, like Betnar's stats aren't much better. I mean, he's got I'm like, well, maybe they're riding left in a little bit more. Nope. 24 games for Leth, 23 for Betnar. So they're still split back and forth. Uh, Betnar's got a 2.97. Letham's got a 3.13. Still very close. Uh, yeah. Save percentage, point eight eight three for left and point eight 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 for Bednar. So I mean it's they're still very close. So it's not a I don't think it's a goaltender issue at this point. You know, it's it's there's there's no adjustments. I mean you've been fortunate to be able to catch a lot more walleye games than I have. I'm looking at I think there's a March tenth game in Kalamazoo. and there's a March third, yeah. I think, in Toledo. It's a Sunday game. I'm trying to I think that's the game I'm trying to go to, or the 17th. Um, So I think those two are the games that I'm trying to, I'm eyeing to try to get to, to be able to see them in action. Uh, One's at Huntington and one's at Kalamazoo. So they're both Sunday games, so it should be easy for us to get down there. Uh, But yeah, it's, so I, I definitely get that, that Toledo does welcome their fans. I remember going to Kalamazoo last year during the snowstorm and I sat literally right behind the Kalamazoo badge. She got chirped at the entire game. And I'm just like, Oh boy, I was wearing my green bear green Jersey. So people knew I was there for grand Rapids and more for Kosa for, for anything. But I did move to that section because they are wild and crazy. And I loved it. And they, like I started some a couple conversations with a couple people that I've been following. So um, it's good. And that barn is it's old. There is like two ways in and out of that, that whole place. Um And I did look to see, uh, Kalamazoo did approve a 300 million dollar land buy for that arena so uh things are changing and it's going to be different so i'm excited to see how that looks compared to what the Van Andel looks like in Huntington Center but uh that parts a little weird you know just the way their concessions are and it, it's just different uh it's it's not bad it's not good it's not it's it's different i guess <laughs> it
0: gives you the small town hockey team vibes like through and through, man, like, and that's what it is in reality, but, like, seeing them get approval for something like that, like, again, they're not part of the Red Wings organization, but they're a Michigan hockey team, right? Like, yeah. if they're not playing the wall, I, I, I don't want to see them not succeed, you know, I, I want to see them do well. Their fans are fun. Yes, they yeah, have they some really good chirps in there, and they know how to get people riled up, and yeah, after a few drinks, some of them might say too much, but hey, which hockey fan doesn't do that? I'm not guilty of that. I don't know what you're talking about. But, <laughs> At the same time, man, like it is a fun environment, and it is cool for us too. Because yeah, driving to the Huntington Center, it's a three in, a three hour drive yeah. for us, and being able to catch the walleye with a forty five minute drive down to Kalamazoo, that's so much easier for us. And fortunately for us, they play each other a lot. Yeah. Unfortunately for the walleye, they can't beat them
1: this year. It's been tough. I just and it's just weird too. Is like there's no like I don't know what the the series stats are for the between I don't the two. Know. But I I think Toledo's probably only won one game, maybe two, uh, against Kalamazoo. So it's just it's surprising to me that Pat Mikkelsen continuously does the same things over and over against the same team. Like there's no adjustments. Like Texas has had our number this year, but you see we come out, we change up the lineup for uh, for Grand Rapids, and we come away with a one nothing win. Like I'd be interested to see if this carries over to next. For Saturday's game two with the Griffins. But like Pat's, Pat's gotta do something, you know, he's it's adjustments. He's gotta he's gotta coach better. I just I I'm starting to not have the warm fuzzies with this coaching hire.
0: <laughs> I'm like... not either. And so like when I look at this big picture, right? Like I we talked the goalie coaching, like there's a concern there. If I'm looking at the staff overall, and statistics, how the current goalie coach on this team hasn't been canned yet? Beyond me. If you took the number one goalie in the ECHL and turned around the next season, and he's one of the bottom goaltenders, that's a problem. Now, is that all in the goaltending? Who knows? That could be more on the defensive side. Again, we don't get to watch every game. I can only go by statistics. But from what I saw in that game, yeah, defensive breakdowns, like, Last year, there was a lot of odd man rushes that the walleye gave up under Dan Watson. It was kind of his thing. We understood yeah. that. But the goaltending usually rose to the occasion, and there's a lot of times we see a ton of breakaway highlights get shot, uh, get shown by the walleye on Twitter, and it's these goaltenders making big breakaway saves. They know how to stop those. The goals that they're letting in are a lot of just piss-poor defensive coverage. So at that point you look at who's coaching the defense on that side. That's a question mark there too. I mean, it sounds shocking to say this, but especially with you know, a team, they're number one in the central, the third in the Western Conference. But I I don't think Pat Mikish and his staff are the right guys for the job at this point. And I know walleye fans have been saying that all season, and we're like, It's okay, guy. Yeah, I'm sorry. I apologize. We see it now. I, I get it, I feel bad. That's not how this should be. It's no coincidence that they go through a rough stretch. Dan Watson takes one visit to Toledo. They turn around and win two Sunday games, nine to one um, after that happens. And then we're right back to where we were before that. Like there's something there. And when I look at the players on the ice too, like the wall, I had a swagger about that last year. Oh like, yeah. They didn't give an F who you were. They were going to play you as hard as possible. They never got pushed around. Kalamazoo bullied them. Like if this was a walleye podcast exclusively, this would be the episode. We got bullied. Because they got absolutely run up and down the ice by this Kalamazoo team. Nobody stood up for themselves. Nobody stood up for each other. And there was no energy. There was no swagger about any of them besides Brandon Hawkins, because he's Brandon freaking Hawkins. (laughs) The puck on a stick. His shot is ridiculous. Like. Give him the keys to the city at this point. Like, he's, re- he's ridiculous. But the rest of the team, they just didn't feel like it was there. There's no inspiration. There's no – they don't feel it. And that's a concern because the expectations for this team are Kelly Cup or nothing.
1: Yeah. Like, that is we, the
0: expectation.
1: We've watched a lot of hockey. We've watched a lot of, like, even in our jobs now, of like how teams come together and, like uh, – you could see like at certain times, like right now with the Griffins team, like we see like there's something special here, right? Like we're not at the top. We're not at 18 and 0, Like we're out of crazy win streak, but we could tell that this team is gritty. It's going to be able to go far in the playoffs. And like, you're just not seeing that with this Toledo team. Like they're not coming together. They're not gelling. They're not like kind of like Florida last year in the playoffs, the Florida Panthers. Like they gelled at the right time and it wasn't pretty all season, but they came together at the end and was able to get all the way to the finals, which was like crazy. They, the way they had to get in was pretty crazy too. Uh, with a couple points here, there from Pittsburgh, but you, you just don't see that with this Toledo team. Like they're not coming together. They're not gelling. It's not like they're working up towards something. It's just flat. Would yeah. Agree? And,
0: uh, I don't know. Our buddy, Tri- uh, You're 100% right. Like, it, it, that's the crazy thing, too, is it started off like I went to the first game they played at the season. It was in Kalamazoo and they lost in overtime. And I saw glaring things where I was like, I remember I ripped a couple of guys in that one where I was like Oren Santazo. Terrible. Oh, my God. And he's not. He's not terrible. He, it was his first yeah. game. Like I, I should I can backtrack <laughs> on all that. But you could add it. It wasn't it wasn't the players that were the problem then? It was the coaching was the problem then. And our buddy Travis down in Salido sent me a screenshot while I was at that game when we were talking about texting back and forth about Pat Mickich. And He came from the USHL, right? Yeah. So Great. I want to read through to you since 2014 in the ECHL to his last season there. Where his team finished in the playoffs? Are you ready? Yep. First season. Did not make playoffs. Next season, first round exit. Next season, did not make it. Next season, first round exit. Next season, did not make it. Next season, playoffs canceled because COVID. Next season, quarterfinals lost. Next season, did not make it. Next season, first round exit. I understand why there was so many question marks at the beginning of the season when they hired him. Yeah, that's... I I hate because I feel like I'm just dogging in on this coach right now. Like after seeing them in person for two games and just watching the games on TV, like I'm just dogging on this coach. But the Toledo fan base knows what they are, what what to expect. Like they know their team, and this isn't just one person's feedback. This is everybody's. Like everybody feels the same way. There's a lot of question marks around this coach.
1: But at the same point, you saw this team at two different points in the season, and you saw the same thing. Like a loss at Kalamazoo, no. But I
0: like, think, like you've seen, well, of it. the same performance on the ice too. It looked, it looked identical. It looked freaking identical. Just Kalamazoo's which, got their got their stuff together now and didn't get beat.
1: Which, like, we've been watching the Griffins and they've been, you've seen different games at different points. Like there, this isn't right now. Is not the same team what we saw in the beginning of the season. Not even close. Like yeah. they're. Two different spectrums, but this walleye team has been consistently uh, (laughs) and they've just outskilled their opponents to get to that point. Would you say that's probably a fair statement?
0: Yeah, I I would say that is 100% a fair statement. You got to think, too, when I saw them at the start of the season, they didn't have two of their leading scorers on the freaking team. They were in Grand Rapids. Trenton Bliss is second in scoring on the team. Riley Sawchuck is ninth on the team in scoring. Those two guys started in Grand Rapids this season and went to Toledo after that. They've each got what? Bliss has got 43 games out of 47. Riley's got 33. Those two guys went in there and they're performing at an extremely high level. And the team still can't beat Kalamazoo. (laughs) That's a freaking problem. And Going into this weekend, too, you know, Matt Anderson, their second best defenseman in scoring and arguably their best defenseman on the defensive side of the puck, uh, got loaned to Toronto. So he's playing with the Marlies, and the walleye don't have them as they come into this weekend playing a team that they've never played before with Maine coming to town for two games, and they got Fort Wayne on Sunday. So you're down your best defenseman when you defensively suck right now and you've got a team you've never played before coming in and then Fort Wayne. Yeah. Probably. Like tell Toledo it. fans are praying they wake up on Friday and see Grand Rapids Griffins have reassigned Cross Hannes and Emil Viro to the Toledo walleye. At this point, like, yeah. That's what they're going to sleep each night saying they hope happens when they wake up. Because they need it. And from from our perspective, if things are going to stay the way they are in Grand Rapids without those two in the lineup, we would love to see them there because we know they'll make an impact and make a positive impact on this team.
1: Inject some juice into that team down there.
0: Yeah. this feel It feels like Ben Simon is coaching the Toledo Wallach. <laughs> How we felt for the entire existence of our podcast during the last season, Is exactly how every walleye fan feels right now, and what we used to do last year was talk about the Griffins and then talk about the walleye to make ourselves feel positive. (laughs) It's flip-flopped suddenly, and I I like that.
1: That's why I put a lot of Griffins references in here.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like walleye fans, man, we just feel bad.
1: But like, at least Pat Mikish is winning. Like last year was not. (laughs) It was, it was bad. It was real
0: bad. <laughs> He's winning games for sure, but you can't ride. You can't just count on your offense to continue to outscore the opposition. Like <laughs> this team can do it. They just need the right voice. Goals against in the central, they're fourth.
1: What's goals goal for,
0: they're first. Uh one ninety six to one fifty four. It's getting closer every week. I want to say that it's getting closer every week.
1: Cause I look at goal differential quite a bit. If your goal differential is at a plus, like you have a good chance. So, um, like the Wings, for instance, uh, I can't remember. Somebody's right above. Tampa's right above them by like they've got a plus four goal differential. I think I saw this morning, and the Wings are like plus fifteen. I'm like, there's no way Tampa outbeats us. Then, like we're we're gonna pass them for that wild card spot.
0: Yeah. And it might be unfortunate, too, that we're talking about the walleye with, you know, Kalamazoo in the picture here. When if you talk about goal differential, they're 141 goals for and 133 against. Their 133 against is the lowest in the Central Division. They do have an outstanding goaltender on that team, which sucks that the Vancouver Canucks organization has another just great goaltender Markstrom, Demko, and all the other guys there. Like, God, I hate it so much. But, it, when a team that's scoring 196 goals in a season, 196 goals in 47 games, It's impressive. And they can't win some of these games. Like that's, I just want to see them win games like four to one, four to two, four to nothing, three to one. Like,
1: you're not going to see that in the East coast, buddy.
0: Oh, <laughs> we did last year. That's the thing Uh, is they won games like that. If they don't score five or more, they're not winning. It feels like. That's not good. I don't know. I could go on. Toledo fans, let us know in the comments what you think. What's your opinion? But just know that after listening to us week over week going, the sky's not falling. We apologize. We see where you're coming from. We get it. And we'll go to work. well, yeah, we'll we'll be at some more games hopefully here in the future. Like you said, you know, there's another Kalamazoo, one in Kalamazoo um, and that is on a Sunday. And then we are eyeing one in Toledo. We just got to figure that out. We'll announce when we're coming down there. Because if you listen in there and you want to meet us, we'd love to meet you too. Because, again, I always feel adopted by this franchise whenever I'm around it. Like, it just, we're not, we don't live in Toledo. We only support, we like, we started supporting this team because it was part of the pipeline. And now I will go to a team in my home state. I'll go to their barn and wear that walleye jersey every time. Because this team's fun. The organization's fun and the fans are the some of the best in hockey. So
1: We don't like much from Ohio, but we like you.
0: I like two things <laughs> in Ohio. It's the walleye and Cedar Point. Kings in Island Michigan. comes in as a baby. So
1: And Michigan beat Ohio State.
0: God, I love that. That's what wakes me up in the morning. <laughs> True um, Anything else you what? want to add on Toledo before we wrap up with a couple questions and then call this an episode?
1: No, I'm excited to get down there again. I'm, I'm excited. I, it's, I didn't realize how quick the season was ending. I'm like, oh, there's like three weeks left, four weeks left to the season. And then uh, it's playoffs. So uh, tickets are so hard to get too. So I don't know if... Yeah. We might have Just to four than that game. left
0: in the season let's let's clarify that there they have all of March and three weeks in April still but yeah Not tickets, many home games left no they do play a lot in the road which is also a concern um yeah but tickets yeah Toledo is Toledo's the only ECHL franchise that can open up and look at their website and they have an eight thousand person eight thousand plus person barn and there's like every t- every game ticket alert only 500 left only yeah. 200 left only team in the ECHL you can find that in. The fans love this team. Pat, Pat Nickish needs to love the fans back. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Anyways, let's uh, let's shift gears here. Let's dive into a couple of questions. Well, two from Randy and one from another person. There. All right. So Randy threw us two questions. One. Who do you think the scouts were all checking out in tonight in Grand Rapids? Uh huh. Randy, the obvious answer is me. Yeah. Like, come on. If you were going
1: to say no. that, I was going to say
0: that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, there's there's obvious names out there in the trade block. Well, not officially on the trade block, but names that get tossed around in rumors. And Jonathan Bergeron one of them. Some podcasts have tossed Johansson around in there. And I want to say never. N- don't. No, no, no. Um, But also at the same time, Texas has a lot of guys that. You know, could be prospects built into a good trade package to get Dallas over that hump to get them into the Stanley Cup finals. Like you gotta talk about you, you have the two leading scorers in the AHL on that Texas team. A lot of people could be there to see them too. And Nick, you had the list of teams, right?
1: Yeah. I don't know if you have that available. Yeah, Bob and Larry said that there was nine teams in attendance, and then they kind of like teased it throughout, and then I didn't catch it, and then uh, at the end. I wrote them down. They uh Calgary, San Jose, Arizona, Nashville, Ottawa, New York Islanders, Toronto, Dallas, and Anaheim. Well, Dallas makes sense because Texas was there. Um, yep, it's their affiliate. Anaheim is interesting with the Zegris talk.
0: It is interesting.
1: Uh, Ottawa with Chikrin, interesting, and. The other ones, Calgary makes sense with Noah Hannafin. Yep. The other ones are interesting. The Islanders, Nashville, Arizona, and San Jose. That Those ones are interesting to me. I don't know. I haven't seen us linked to anybody. Oh, and Calgary, we're also linked with Chris Tanef, which I would be down for him because I'd be really down for him because he is gritty and we do need that kind of extra grittiness for the
0: playoffs. I'm not down for Noah Hannafin. Sorry. Red Wings fans I want Noah. I don't want him. Um, The the Nashville one's interesting because a lot of people have poised the question of, with Askaroff playing the way he's playing, can Nashville let go of UC Soros?
1: He hasn't been good either. If you're the Red Wings
0: looking at goaltenders, if you're not ready to make that commitment to saying is going to be the Red Wings' backup goaltender next year, I'm not even ready to make that commitment, so I understand why they wouldn't be. Is UC Soros in the picture there somewhere that's a possibility i don't hate it what you have to give up for him but yeah, at the same cute. time a tandem of alex Lyon and uc soros to get through to the point where we have sebastian cosa and whatever other player sebastian cosa uc soros at some point sebastian cosa trey augustine like who, who knows right so that's that's a possibility um because that's been teased. I don't think Nashville has officially said he's on the trade block or anything like that, though. Like you said, Anaheim makes sense with Zegris. I already forgot the other... T- oh, Islanders. Um, I think there's talk of... Uh, what's his name? Barzell. I think there's talk of Barzell getting traded. Huh. And I could see him landing in Dallas pretty well. It's an option. Yeah. I don't know. The Sharks, uh, Couture is on the trade block, it sounds like. And Dallas could definitely benefit from a Logan Couture. And I would I don't want to say the Red Wings wouldn't either, but I don't really see that fitting into the timeline right now.
1: So I uh so the list that I read off of was the Red Wings prospects off of Twitter. Uh that's who that's who posted those. The ones that I was able to write down, there's one difference though, is I had the uh new jersey devils on there but i did catch the Na- no Nashville was is. the islanders nope i had that one so the devils were the only other one One, two. i can't i can't math i can't read right, right now it's like
0: mean barrigan for jack hughes who says no i'm just kidding um so
1: the devils were possibly also there so Yeah,
0: I mean, scouts in attendance at AHL games is going to be extremely high this time of year with the trade deadline looming. Uh, hearing that it was 10 or 9 in, in tonight's game, like that is pretty high, but at the same time, again, look at the level of talent in both of these two teams. It makes sense. I'm sure those scouts will be in the building again on Saturday, and I'm sure more will be uh in attendance again on sunday it'll be interesting to pay attention to the teams that come for repeat games so if we see nashville again on sunday which again would make sense because that's milwaukee's affiliate uh that's something to pay attention to yeah so we'll see and then um oh man randy's throwing what is the sickest goal you've seen in person Randy, I need more prep for this question. In person, sickest goal. Am I wrong to say the Bergie empty nutter against Belleville? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's
1: probably the safest answer at the moment since it is almost midnight. Uh, Yeah, that's that's probably what I'm going to have to go with. Because I haven't seen a
0: goalie goal. I haven't seen that either. I'm going to say I'm going to say Dylan Larkin's first Griffins goal in the small stint he played in Grand Rapids. I don't remember the goal well, I just remember being very excited about it.
1: He played here? I thought he went straight to the show.
0: He got a he got a stint in the playoffs uh one year after college. We did not win the cup that year, but uh he got a stint and we got knocked out by the Utica Comets at that point, who had Jacob freaking Markstrom as their goaltender, and he stole every single game that Utica played against Grand Rapids. I hate him for that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that I've seen a lot of goals in person. Not oh. to sound arrogant about that one.
1: We go to a lot of hockey games. Um, yeah. I actually I thought of one. So. When, uh, Marion Hosa was with the wings, I got to see his first goal. I don't know. I can't remember if it was preseason or not, if it was regular season, but I got to see one of Hosa's goals as a Red Wings and that, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Like it wasn't like a crazy stick move or like goal or anything like that. But I think that was like, it's a good milestone goal or something that I'll, I'll remember for a while.
0: Yeah. And I definitely, uh, Thinking at the NHL level, when we went to see the Wings play Philadelphia on a random Sunday and Mo Sider ripped one from the point and did his celebration <laughs> of just like, what? Yeah, I'm uh, that. that guy. Um, that's now, the celebrations is always what I remember for some reason. The goals will, the memories will drift. The celly yeah. I always remember. A good celly gets me. It gets me every time. Snyder that's Cole. that's a that's one of the toughest questions I've ever been asked. I'm gonna think about that one over the next like week. So thanks, Randy. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah. We might update later.
0: Yeah. Um, Ethan Hansen might be a tough one to answer, but you guys have been keeping up with Sandine Pelica. Uh according to his stats, it seems he's slowed down, or was he maybe hurt or something? So he was injured uh, for a good chunk of time. He just recently came back in. His first game was putting up numbers. Again, like a defenseman's production is not always gonna be there. It's about what he does when he produces. What what is he doing in that moment? How is he how is he producing? I'm not concerned about his consistency or anything. That injury, do you remember what the injury was?
1: I believe it was a shoulder. But being a I defenseman, was- a shoulder
0: injury is a you know what to come back from.
1: I think they're always shoulder injuries.
0: (laughs) That's fair as well. That's who knows. But Uh, with Axel, I mean, we do share his highlights, but at the same time, we don't follow every single game he plays and everything like that. We try to stay up to date because there is a reality that we can see him in Grand Rapids, but I think we're both trying to emotionally cope with the fact that he might not. And uh, once we figure out how to emotionally cope with that, we'll let you guys know. I don't know. Can you yeah. imagine what one of his jerseys is going to go for at auction? Oh, it's my probably,
1: God. Yeah, it'll be higher than Simon's for sure. I, I'm surprised Simon's we haven't seen some big numbers. I'm surprised we haven't seen any that's gone for like two grand this year.
0: So you you real quick, you looked up what the injury was just to make sure we're factually correct. So what did you find?
1: So he, so the hockey is weird with injuries until you get to the NHL uh, or after the Stanley Cup finals. So. Yeah. Everything is very hush-hush, upper body, lower body, uh mental, whatever. Um, So they say that he had an upper body injury and he's in a plaster cast. I thought it was an injury, a shoulder injury is what I thought he had. Uh, but he only missed, they said like a few months was the, the initial expectation. And he only missed like three or four weeks. Like he came back pretty fast. So... I'm hoping it's not something that they rushed him back. Um, I haven't been able to keep up with his stats right now just because it's not somebody that I see us having. Like you said, like, I don't know if he'll be here next year. He might be in Detroit. He might still go back to Sweden. But uh, I, over this summer, we're going to kind of go through the draft years and kind of pick out the, like, go through the players and kind of give you guys more of an update so you know what's coming up uh, for the Like who we can pay attention to, you know, Uh, because we have a lot of prospects out in Sweden. We have a lot of prospects in college or a few. And then we have a few that are. Who knows where they went?
0: (laughs) So right now we still have a plethora of draft picks to come this year. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, so it'll it'll be interesting and we'll give updates throughout uh, because we're not going to really focus. I don't think we're going to focus much on like draft picks of who we're. Draft profiles like the wings do, like the wings podcast do, I think it's more of like who do we have that's coming in that can make a difference to for us in the coming season or in two seasons so and how do they yeah. kind of fit with the with the team so
0: yeah, that'll be our focus for sure, and just to backtrack a little, like thinking a a plaster cast is usually means no joke of an injury uh so for him to come back from that relatively quick uh. It's something to just something to watch out for. you know. Hopefully nothing was rushed, and hopefully he's good to go. But at the same time, don't judge his production too much on that. If you're going to look at a player's production right now, go watch Nate Danielson because he's absolutely freaking tearing it up in Portland. Oh, my God. And they've clinched a playoff berth as well. So he will be in the WHL playoffs, which is exactly why that trade was so crucial to Portland because he's going to go play important games on a team at a high level. So thank God. I'm excited for that.
1: Um, I kind of want to see what Brandon hockey is actually like. Did they just fall off the face of the earth after they traded? Him?
0: Oh Brandon oh Brandon's uh Brandon Weekings? Yeah. I was like, what do you mean, my hockey? I didn't fall off the face of the earth. I'm right here. For oh. now. <laughs> Terrifying. All right, so that's all the questions we had this week. Thank you guys for asking or answer yeah, asking those questions to us. Appreciate it there. Um, anytime you know we want questions for the for the episodes, we always throw it out on Twitter there. We'll try to throw it out in a few more apps too going forward so everyone can answer or ask questions they want answered. But with that, Nick, do you have anything else you want to add to this Thursday episode?
1: Big week. We gotta get some points, keep the point streak alive. Uh... I'm excited for Saturday. Excited to see these jerseys. Oh, and also the Santa, Sana jerseys. I don't know how you pronounce it, but those are sick. And we might touch more about this on the next episode.
0: Yeah, we'll touch more on that Sana Red Wings collab there. I'll ha- I have some thoughts on that. Um, but yeah, no, big games coming up. So the Griffins take on the Texas Stars again at home on Saturday uh, for their sensory game uh and then they take on the milwaukee admirals for the dog game on sunday so two massive games pay close attention to the milwaukee game tomorrow in chicago or sorry on thursday in chicago and uh the texas game in rockford on friday pay close attention to that that's going to dictate a lot of what we see this weekend but i do have one last thing that i will end this recording with sir I, i don't know if you're ready for it so what i will end this for for our youtube viewers is Sebastian Kosa's first shutout out in the AHL photo because look at the freaking pad setup. It looks like lizard skin, bro.
1: That's yeah. <laughs> odd. But
0: the reason I wanted to pull this picture up, because obviously that's a comment that someone else made. Sebastian Kosa is going to have one of the most impressive playoff beards out of any player in the AHL. I'm already going to claim that right now. He's going to have a monster beard that sticks through the bottom of that mask i feel it coming
1: i might shave mine right before the playoffs and let it grow throughout
0: well folks you know when the playoffs start we'll be off video for a couple weeks while nick grows his back i won't just i won't like make you guys all witness that uh i'll just keep a still frame photo of him with a beard up there you don't want to see it without he looks 12. um but anyways nothing else from you nope Perfect. Well, that wraps up this Thursday episode of the Hockey Town West podcast. A little bit of a long one for being a Thursday episode. We had a lot to talk about. So Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Shout out to Everything Hockey, our fantastic sponsor. Head over to EverythingHockey.com. Grab yourself a hoodie or your t-shirt or whatever. Use code WEST. W-E-S-T. Get 10% off your order. Do you have to no, make sure I spelled right. WEST right? Oh, thanks, <laughs> buddy. Thanks. Appreciate you. Let's get late. Shout out- <laughs> Shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network for being an amazing partner. Shout out to DraftKings for also being fantastic sponsors. Head over to DraftKings. Use code THPN. And with that, that's all I've got for this Thursday episode. Go Griffins. Go Red Wings. Go Walleye. Get yourselves together. And we will talk to y'all hopefully in amazing moods on Monday. Love you. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the Hockeytown West podcast. Be sure to check us
1: out on Twitter at HockeytownWPod and your hosts Nick at Gr Hockey Guy and Brandon at Brandon Gr Hockey.